Welcome to the Big Black Clock Podcast. It's big, it's black, it's about watches. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Big Black Clock. We're definitely at episode 118. <laughs> Pretty confident. Uh, sure. I, I can't count past 100. So, like, all of those numbers are just gibberish to me. It's just, it's like, it's made up at this point for you. <laughs> like, there's, there's nothing past 100. Yeah. I, I don't even, I don't yeah. even know what you're saying. We have a great episode. Watch of Wonders is about the corner or just happened, depending on when we air this episode. But we had a great guest. We, we interviewed. It might not even happen in an alternate reality. Exactly. Who knows? <laughs> in the fourth dimension. So, we have Leon from Bijouterie Monaco. So, it's Monaco Jewelers. So, very, um, reputable carrier of jewelers that have been around family business, been around for a long time. So he's someone that we see quite a bit. We chat with him and we want to have him on the podcast, just do an episode, just to talk about running a shop, customer relations, negotiation, the different brands, what he likes, what he doesn't like, and not only running a shop, but also to get a little bit of an insight on the watch industry from the other side of the counter. Exactly. And how he is building those relationships with those brands. Because that's something maybe we talk about a little bit less. We talk about the consumer, we talk about the relationship with ADs, we talk about manufacturers, but what's the relationship between the retailers and those manufacturers? So um, that's a great episode. So just stick around and we'll go there. Uh, that was earlier this week, so it was a good one. But before we do that, let's let's talk about a few releases this week. What's in the news? I can start with mine. I had a fun one. I had Fortis. I had a Fortis had a really interesting week. Oh, I definitely must have missed it because I haven't seen. So I'm looking forward to hearing this. Yeah. <laughs> so Fortis is a Swiss, and everyone knows Fortis, Swiss watch company. They've been around since 1912 and they're still family owned. That's something I like a lot. If you want to know, like we talked about zombie brands another time. This brand's been around since 1912 and they're still family owned to this day. We met them back in Wind Up and we'll hope maybe we'll have them on the podcast sooner or later. A lot of watches, very design driven around pilots, divers, and astronauts, you know. So their claim first watch was to they, they created watch for space travel. Their cosmonauts chronograph was worn by Russia, Russian cosmonauts during the space missions, and it's the only watch certified by the Russian Federal Space Agency to be used in space. And they're good-looking watches. They've won design awards, uh, the Red Dot Design Award and the Good Design Award as well. And they're also a member of the Responsible Jewelry Council that promotes ethical and sustainable practices in jewelry industry. So they're not. So they're making sure that they're affiliating with people that are, you know, doing things ethically. What do we have here? 2023, they come out with three, a series of watches. We'll say they're Flieger watches, but with three different types or and with different color examples. They have a three-hander, a triple GMT, and a bi-compact chronograph. The Flieger F39 and F41, yes, you guessed it. One is 39, the other one's 41 millimeters in diameter. Pretty much gave it away. Beautiful watches in these colorways. You have a black dial. You also have two other colorways of the Petrol Indigo and the Liberty Blue. What can I say about these watches? They are so clear and legible as a pilot's watch. They look modern. The date window at the three o'clock features numbers on a black wheel, except for 13, which Fortis renders in orange. The dial receives vertical brush texture uh, and doesn't really have many uh, color accents other than the date. It's very stark, but in a good way. These Flieger three-handers is, is something interesting if you're into that. But if you're not, they also have a bi-compact chronograph in the same colorways uh, if you're really into that. So I'm thinking of, of, of some people I know who love bi-compact chronographs. This is something to get as well. 
This comes with a matte black dial with green and orange loomed accents. They do the same vertical brushing now as they did in their old uh, Flieger line. Stark white lumen accents. I'm not going to detail the black petrol indigo and liberty blue finishes again, but it's the same colors as the three-hander. The difference is, is that in the subdials and the date positions, they all feature color match subdials for writing seconds and elapsed minutes. And we see uh, the date window move from three to six o'clock on these as opposed to the so between the chronograph and the three-hander. Then last but not least, and my favorite of the whole gang, they have the F43 GMT collection. Triple GMT stands alone in theirs to be using What's different between the bi-compacts and the 300? This one is entirely made of titanium. Titanium bracelet, you can get a leather strap as well, but I suggest going for the bracelet. What's really cool as well is that they have a raw brushed titanium dial. So it really is a raw looking watch, but it doesn't quite look too raw. They put orange and white detailing all over the dial that makes it look stunning. This is the pinnacle of the brand, and you'll see why in terms of the price, but it also has the most premium movement. It uses the Work WERK 13 made by Kinesi. If people don't know Kinesi, they're also used by uh, Tudor, Chanel, and Bra the likes of Breitling. This has a GMT movement, a proper GMT movement, which a lot of people talk about calling them um, collar. Uh, no, not collar, a flyer GMT so that you can independently adjust the 12-hour hand. So you can just set your local time and cycle through the date indicator on the fly. 70 hours of power reserve. Uh, this one is very professional looking, but looks really, really great. Going back to the three-hander, you're looking at about 21 to 2200 euros. Uh, going to the chronographs, you're looking at about a 35 to 3600 dollar euro to start. And in the GMTs, you're looking at a 41 to 4600 uh, euro price. Obviously, I'm sure on the gray market, you can get these a little bit um, how can I say, uh, more affordable, but uh, really good job on Fortis. And I'll, I'll be honest, the Stratoliner, while beautiful in the dial and case, is very underwhelming from a bracelet perspective, I find. I feel like they could have done something more with the bracelet for that Stratoliner, especially at that price. This one looks really good. And I do think that if you can get 30% off, well, not 30, maybe 20% off, it's a good, it's a, it's a really not good deal. And you're looking at premium movement, premium finish from a household, uh, sorry, a family-owned brand that's been around for over a century. Fortis for the win this week. I totally agree. And that comment on Stratoliner, we, we got yeah. to see that watch in person when we were in New York. Fantastic. The dial, the watch itself is fantastic. The dial, the case is beautiful. But I do agree that the bracelet could have been better. I don't know why they went for the straight lugs. They just put a straight end bracelet, yeah. a straight end bracelet. It was kind of like, oh, well, you got to put a bracelet on this. They put something straight end and it didn't. Um... But you know what I would probably do with that Forstner, with that Stratoliner? I'd buy a Forstner yeah. bracelet and put that like, so it really makes it look. Bad. Yeah, but that's the, see, that's, that's the problem with the Stratoliner because the, you're thinking of getting another bracelet another bracelet and it's five thousand yeah. dollars <laughs> and <laughs> it's like whoa i'm thinking because fortis is kind of known for making exceptionally tooly watches in general yeah and the, yeah. The, these new releases you were talking about now they're also very tooly appearing like i would say even more tooly than zinn somewhere close to even damasco i would say yeah so perhaps when they were designing the stratoliner they thought that it's too easier take off the bracelet, that was the better design choice, right? Because they probably have to, if they're actually used for purpose, which is to go to space, right. you might want to have to put on a Velcro or something, right? Over the spacesuit. So maybe that's 
part of the design. But I, I do agree, it's the, the bracelet could have been a little bit nicer. I do like the new designs. I do like the new watch releases, and they are doing some amazing, some amazing stuff recently. It seems. I'm not the biggest fan on the overall design in general because I don't. I'm not a f- huge fan of Thule watches in general. The colors that they pick, the orange and the dark and the light green, are very unique to Fortis. I find that's that's as soon as you see that color combo, it's like yeah, it's Fortis. But very cool, very cool. So now I have another one, and it's another brand that is kind of dear to me, even though I've never owned a watch from them. It's a a very under the radar brand from Glasute. It's the Union Glasute. Yep. We talked about that brand. I think uh, maybe Kevin, you were talking about this brand back, uh, and we recorded episode thirty-seven when we talked about German watches. This brand initially started in 1893 in the town of Glasute, and I think that town doesn't need any introduction. Mm-hmm. During the early years, they focused on making pocket watches and were quite popular. But then because of the world wars and like any other brand from Glasute, they were repurposed to help the military, first in the World War One, then in the World War Two, And then because Glasute village is located on the east part of Germany, it was under the Soviet uh, rule for since the end of the war until eighty nine, and when the uh, German uh, the, the, the the Berlin War fell, and like it, most of other actually I, like all of the other Glasute brands, that brand along with like a Langenzona Glasute original was revived in the middle of in the mid nineties, uh, and since nineteen ninety six, it has been existing as Union Glasute, uh, acquired by Swatch in two thousand. Uh, because it was part of Glasuta original in the first place, and both of them were acquired by Swatch in 2000. And you know they are under the big Swatch umbrella today, but based in Glasuta. So now they have recently released a new version of their diver watch called Noramis Date Sport. Mm. Why I like this? It's a 42 millimeter case, very nice size I think for a diver. 49 lug to lug, 12.9 thick. It has a bit of a like a skin diver vibe. Meaning it doesn't have a crown guard, but at the same time it doesn't have squared off lugs like like let's say the zodiacs would have. High polish finish with brush sides, black ceramic bezel, unidirectional, two hundred meters of water resistance. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very very beautiful dark green dial. It has a tab based movement. It's a Union Glasute zero seven S one movement, but it's a ETA twenty eight ninety two based mm-hmm. silicone balance spring, sixty hours of power reserve, three hertz. The thing why it makes it takes it like up a notch from just the basic, well, not basic standard ETA is that the movement is finished, hand assembled, and regulated by a team in Glasuta directly. So it is, as much as it's a ETA base, it's really not. It's it's a Glasuta watch. Right. This watch goes for twenty five hundred USD or thirty four ninety five Canadian. I think it's a great offering for let's say a diver watch of that caliber. You get you get high quality finish high quality materials very good movement from a, for a watch from Glasute so there is that threshold of quality that will be met when you get this watch right i think it's a pretty decent offer not the cheapest but i think within the price range it's a pretty good watch and i'm i kind of want to see them in person i've never yet seen a single union glasute in person definitely yeah i think we absolutely should so really good releases Really, really good releases. Guys, thanks for uh, <laughs> sticking around with us. Stay tuned as we go to um, our interview with Leon. So we are very excited to have Leon. Now, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing your last name correct. 
Kihi, uh, sorry, Kiyan, Kiyan. It's Kehayan, yeah. Kehayan, Kehayan. And yeah, it's that's right. uh, and what is the the origin of that name? Um, it's uh, Armenian originally. Oh, Kardashian. It, yeah. it sounded to me like it was. Uh, we spelled it right, but yeah, we don't okay. know how to pronounce things. That's just that's <laughs> that's what what is, the Kardashian. Uh, what was our Agassi? Wasn't he Armenian? Car- why does it always have to be the Kardashians, guys? Like, come on. What about Andre Agassi? Andre Agassi. Uh, yeah, Agassi. There, there you go. go. <laughs> Agassi. There you yeah, go. Agassi's, uh, isn't he like a Lebanese Armenian? <laughs> I believe. Uh, I'm not so sure. Yeah, exactly. Just well, just as Leon, know, he was no. from the topic. It, most Armenians you'll talk to nowadays aren't Armenians from Armenia because of the large diaspora, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. It's one of those countries like that also, I think, has more uh, Armenians living outside of the country than in, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was not so. like Irish, I think, is the same. Uh, Anywho, yeah. so we're very happy don't, don't to have George that. with us. So George is the owner of a local, very, very popular, I'll say jewelry store or a, a um, how would you describe it, George? Uh, the Bijouterie uh, Monaco. It's the, how would we describe that? It's a, it's a jewelry store. It's a family owned. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, so George would be my father. And so he's the one who uh, who actually founded um, uh, Bijouterie Monaco in 1995. He was actually a bench jeweler, and uh, that that's what he learned to do in in the Middle East until he came here. And he still worked as a bench jeweler till he was able to, you know, uh, stack one dollar on top of the other, save enough to uh, be able to open his own store. Started with started with one small store, no brands, nothing, just you know, entry level uh, watches and jewelry nothing fancy small store till one store became two two became three and then it just it just multiplied from 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 then on and it's been only um it hasn't been a very very long time that we're actually operating in a different segment so mid to luxury level and now more in the luxury segment and uh we hope to continue on that path to you know, expand the, the the luxury brands that we can work with, and uh, yeah, amazing. So the, the so thank you for that intro. To we wanted to do was we want to invite you. We've been coming to see you for a long time. A lot of great discussions. We think you have so much to share to our listeners here. We think it'd be really great to hear it from your point of view as someone who is a a authorized dealer to so many cool brands. You have, uh, and we'll go through that in a little bit. But before we dive in, let's do a customary risk check, and we can go around. I'll start because it's a watch that I actually got from you, Leon. Yeah, it's my favorite Bond watch. It's the Hamilton PSR. Yeah, really fun digital watch. What makes this watch so cool, other than the James Bond watch, I think that people really need to check out the the two things that are great is one, yeah, it's the always on screen, but the raised crystal is very very uh, cool. That's something that you don't quite see all the time, and the quality of this bracelet, you don't know, you call it like almost like this presidential rouleau style kind of bracelet, is very very comfortable and then and it's sometimes hard to get the butterfly kind of uh, clasp to get a good fit right but this one um because the links are so small you can really get the right i think sizing uh, for your wrist so 40 millimeter uh, my favorite bond watch so that's my hamilton psr courtesy of of leon uh, so thank you for that. Yeah, awesome. I paid for it, so the, yeah, the, <laughs> thank you. But I did. Pay. It was an ex- it was an exchange of goods and services, but for money. Yeah. <laughs> you, you paid it for it with money. Right? Exactly, saying, right? but uh, it took care of me, and uh, it was an impulse buy, and uh, it was very uh, it was a good impulse. Yeah. So that's what I'm wearing. Yeah, I remember. I think you were pick, you were picking up your dry cleaning that day, and you just passed <laughs> by and just 
<laughs> exactly. Oh, I was I was buying I was picking up a suit that I bought exactly at the bay. Yeah. Let me just stop here and yeah. buy a watch. Was the suit also an impulse buy? No, I was on my Everything way to a wedding that weekend. Day. It was a long weekend. I was on my way to a wedding and uh um, oh, you got married impulsively. <laughs> or bar mitzvah. It was a bar mitzvah or something. It was up, up, up north. Anyway, Dimitri, what are you wearing? Because we want Leon to go last to to take over there. Save the best for last. Uh I am I've been wearing, I mean, I change every day and uh, I've been wearing my Speedy all day today. The, mm. the Hesselite 1861, so not the most recent movement, the pre-most recent movement. No uh, anti-magneticism. I mean, also no water resistance, also no <laughs> subfire. A lot of things that it doesn't have, but it's crazy. It's so pretty. Despite, <laughs> it's so pretty. But despite all that, like when we had the, an episode um, not long ago where I kind of w- described that. The re- the problem with that watch, this chronograph, is that this was my first big chronograph that I purchased, and I was, like, and also happened to be my Grail chronograph. And after buying this, I don't really want to buy another chronograph. Like I don't, there's nothing that I look at right now that could potentially overtake the wrist time from this one. So that was a pretty good Fair buy. Point. I'm pretty happy with that. So yeah. do do Grails? That's been subject we could talk about one day, Dimitri. Do Grails ruin one day? <laughs> do it ru- does it ruin your you know? Your short list after a while, right? My short list is just a list. It's not a short list anymore. It's it's, yeah. it's a list. It's a very long <laughs> list. Multiple pages, double sided. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Leon, what are you wearing? <laughs> so today I'm rocking the uh, the Oris Carl Brashear caliber four hundred one mm. with uh, their uh, in house caliber with a small second. It's in full bronze, forty millimeter. I actually picked this one up. This was actually a a birthday watch for myself i would say a few months ago and honestly i'm loving it it's i can't get enough of this watch especially that it's on the the erica's original strap yeah i i never knew if these would be comfortable i thought maybe they might they might irritate the skin but man it's it's really comfortable if uh if i don't know if you guys have ever uh, if you have experience with erica's original straps they're they're absolutely amazing they're worth the penny you know and they're not they're not they're not cheap right you're looking i think they're about 80 bucks us right for a parachute style strap but there's a reason why they're so um, famous or popular, right? Because they're really, really good. Yeah. The only thing I would say is that uh, the Carl Brashear, first thing that popped in my head was Donald Brashear, the, the hockey player, the goon, like back in 15 years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. For, no, the yeah. first person who popped in my head was Cuba Gooding Jr. Well. Yeah, because of the movie. Yeah, okay. Because of the movie. Yeah, and now I'm going to make a link back to the Kardashians. <laughs> Cuba Gooding Jr. also plays OJ in the show. And uh, O.G. Simpson was defended by Robert Kardashian. Boom, yes, Leon. This is the, <laughs> the you, you can't get, you can never get away it's from a, it. The three degrees of separation. You can't. It's true. And you know, that's a really good reason to wear that watch now. <laughs> he hates it more now. He's like, I need to get rid of this watch now. <laughs> You've ruined you it. You guys might see a listing on Chrono 24 for a pre-owned Carl Brashear tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys ruined this watch. We were waiting for it. That was the strategy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So how about we just start out? Just tell us, how'd you get into watches? Was this always your passion? Um, well, you know what? I grew up in the industry. So um, I grew up in the stores whenever, like, on weekends or in in summertime when I didn't have any school I would always be around the store so I grew up in it I I never had an interest as a kid like I mean in in the watch world or the jewelry world for that matter but I mean I grew up in that environment so I I would always hear my dad talking you know like uh, with brand reps brand managers uh, uh, talking about new brands potentially acquiring new brands and, uh, you know, it was always interesting to me, but I, I was in school and it's not something that uh, I wanted to finish. You know, the focus was school, school, school 
until I was about 17 years old, I would say I started working, you know, more seriously. Yeah. And then I really found a, um, an, an interest for watches, a, a passion for watches. And how that started is I was sort of thrown into the fire. I was a shy 17 year old kid and I wanted to work. And so I started working at the, the exact store that you see me in the downtown store when, um, yeah. so it would be about like eight or nine years ago, eight years ago now. And did your dad get you into, like you said, he was a bench jeweler. Did he get you into the jewelry aspect as well? Were you starting to work with jewelry or working with the watches that were there and really getting under the hood? Was that something that you were interested in? Yeah. So, so what happened was I really started in the, in the retail part first. So being on the field and, uh, the part of, well, when customers would come to the store, they would ask me a question. I wouldn't know what to answer and I'd feel really embarrassed. So what I would yeah. do is I'd go read up on everything I can find. So next time someone asked me that question, I'd have an answer for them. And so when I started reading about watches, I just, I realized how fascinating the, the world of horology is. So one thing led to another and, you know, uh, you eventually become a, a you know, <laughs> a watch enthusiast, right? Yeah. And so it's uh, I'm very lucky in the sense that it's my family business and, you know, it's something that I can fully commit myself to. So about a few years later, I decided to, to uh, you know, uh, let go of school and fully, fully commit myself to work. And uh, I haven't looked back since. Very cool. It's a, it definitely is an amazing, well, uh, some people call it a hobby, but just getting, becoming a watch enthusiast, you really understand. It's like a bottomless pit of just exploring the history of different brands and once you start there's just no turning back it's yeah it's fascinating every time i let's say i look up new watch releases of a brand that i might not have heard or the brand that was revived recently right that died during the course crisis and i started reading up on them i'm like oh my god this is just it's fascinating what they have been able to do i mean look if like a lot of watch brands famous especially have 200 plus years of history right there's so much stuff that must have happened during that time for them to survive, right? And to continue making watches. It's fascinating. You know, and, and I'll pay a compliment, Leon, just for listeners out here. You know what makes Leon great when you go to his shop? And this is something, is that he is a watch enthusiast. And the reason you know that is when he gets there, he wants to talk about the watches. And sometimes when you go into a shop, and I'll be honest when it's depending, not like the, I'm not talking about places that are going to be selling you blanc pain, right? I mean, you go to a shop that's going to be selling you excellent timepieces that you you want to go and you're you're you, you may not know too much about the watches you're not going to feel like they're just there to sell you something mm. and that's something you do well and you're like oh let's talk about the brand hey what do you know about it what do you what do you like about it and then we we have that exchange and it's great you never feel like hey you're being pushy because you know it's a commitment you know that people want to learn about it and you're there to to show them what it is and say, hey look at this in the catalog and look at this this is what's cool and then what do you guys think about that new release? Like that kind of discussion is great where I've been to places that just kind of look at you, look at your wrist, like, okay. And then they're, yeah. let me know if you want to try anything on and you're trying to engage with them, but they don't want to kind of, right? Yeah, th definitely. I mean, again, it's, it's not, not, it's not everyone um, who feels comfortable walking into a store and like, uh, especially if they don't have any experience and like they, they, they automatically assume that the salesperson is going to try to push them to buy something, right? The way I see it is if you take time out of your day to come into my store, that's our, I'm already grateful for that, right? Amazing. And, you know, it's if, if I have the opportunity to, 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 to share my point of view on certain brands or certain watches or what makes a, a good watch or what makes a, 
you know, what makes a watch valuable and so on. That's that's what I'm really in it for. I don't really want to push you to buy something and then I get the money and you go home with regret. I, I don't want that, right? Because I pressured you to buy it. And, you know, speaking of people shopping sometimes for their first watch, right? And like coming from my own perspective as well, right? Before I even got into watches, those watches are quite expensive. And sometimes people walk past those stores, you know, with seeing those, you know, watches that cost thousands of dollars. They feel intimidated just going into the store and talking to somebody, right? And it's a normal, I think, experience for, for uh, every person. How do you, let's say, how would you think that people should manage to do this? Or what advice would you give them for somebody who potentially wants to you know, celebrate an anniversary and buy their first watch? Yeah. So it, it, that's a, it's an interesting question. It's, I always say, buy what you like, buy what speaks to you, buy what puts a smile on your face. You know, we, we can spend all day reading, you know, GQ articles or Forbes articles on what are the most iconic watches and what are the most popular watches of all time. And you'll find, you know, your, your Submariners, your Speedmasters, your Cartier tanks and so on and so on. Right. But does it really speak to you? Yep. Right. There are icon, tons of iconic watch, watches out there, but if it doesn't speak to you, then don't buy it just because you know, it's an iconic watch. You, if, if you look at the watch and it puts a smile in your face or, and it talks to you, that's how you know that you have, a, you have the right watch for yourself. And, you know, it's, yeah, that's it. it. There are no rules to this game, right? There are really no rules to this game. And that's a fact because I'll tell you, I have a, I have a pretty, I'll say vast collection and ranges from watches that are, that are a few hundred bucks and watches that are multiple thousands of dollars. And I'll be very honest, sometimes my favorite watch can be a $1,000 digital watch, a $250 Seiko that uh, I, I put on, an, on a on NATO or something. And then, uh, and I have watches that are many thousands of dollars, but it, like you said, it's what brings you joy. And, and dude, $70 Casio G-Shock, like gets so much wrist time in the summer. It's it's unbeatable. It's it's a yeah. perfect. And history itself, like that watch hasn't been changed in like 40 plus years. Amazing. There's a reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Leon, going back to uh, the store in general, Bijouterie Monaco, which yeah. is, you know, I think you guys have multiple stores now. I think six or something I've uh, looked at in different cities in uh, in this province. Yeah. So uh, recently we've been going through a bit of a transition. We we always uh, we always had stores under the name of Bijouterie Monaco, and we also had um, you know other partner partner slash uh, what, partner boutiques such as we have some Swarovski stores and jewelry and uh, a. Pandora, Pandora stores, same, same concept, like partner boutiques and whatnot. Nice. But we're slowly, slowly um, going, moving out of the Monaco name and going into um, our different luxury segment store called La Maison Monaco. And so those are the stores where, where you'll find brands like our, our higher brands like Omega, Breitling uh, and so on. We're soon to expand, of course. But um, yeah, more and more, we're realizing the challenges of, uh, of, our, of our segment. And we want to be able to do this because we are passionate about this industry. We want to do this at the highest level possible, not because uh, not because of the dollar sign that's attached to it, not because of the luxury, but we we want to be able to do this at the highest level because we are passionate about this. So right now we have eleven stores, and uh, we're currently in a transitional phase, right, where we have two stores in Ottawa, one store in Quebec City, um, a, uh, a Swarovski store um, here in Montreal. Uh, a few other Monaco stores. We're having this conversation now. We could have this conversation again from a, a year or two from now on. And we'll see how 
the company has evolved because we are going through a transitional phase right now. But that, sh- that shows that you guys are looking to grow. Yeah. You're always trying to evolve and not just stay stagnant and do the same old thing. So that's that's interesting because you guys are passionate about this. And, and speaking of brands, uh, how do you go about, and this is from outsiders looking in, right? How do you go about getting a brand represented in a store? So let's say, what is the process of working with manufacturers directly? Well, sometimes it's as simple as finding the number of a sales representative, calling them up and sharing your your interest. That's for some brands and other brands you would have to take an appointment with them if they're willing to see you at trade shows like Watches and Wonders. But then they have this um, this thing that they call, well, brand tiers, right? Brand adjacencies and brand tiers. And what I mean by that is you have in the tiers, let's say you have the lower segment, you have the middle segment where you'll have the three to five thousand dollar, two to five thousand dollar range, let's say your Rados, Longines, and so on. And then you'll have the luxury, which is Rolex, Omega, Breitling, Cartier, and so on and so on. And most brands that are in the luxury segment will not want to be a part of your store unless you have brand adjacency. Right. So brands of the same tier. So let's say a brand like Omega if they want to be a part of your store, they want adjacency. They don't They don't want to necessarily be the highest brand in your store. But if they are the highest brand, they want, you know, someone that's that's very close to them. Like uh, the reason why we have Omega in Quebec City is because we have a brand like Brightling that goes with it. Right. And so uh, that's the process. Sometimes it's a bit more complicated, like um, our store, like in downtown. So you have to kind of get one to get the other. Yeah, yeah right, right. Because you have to get one to get the other. It's kind of like, like that Spider-Man meme, right? Where one is pointing at the other. No, you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, who's going to go first? But, uh, you yeah. know, like there are other challenges as well. Like, you know, the downtown Montreal store where, you know, we're, we're currently in a position where we can't bring in any other brands because, there are other existing retailers with some luxury brands. So, you know, uh, luxury brands typically don't want to have five or six points of sale in the city. Makes sense. Right. And, uh, you know, speaking of scarcity and uh, uh, some brands like Rolex don't even want their own watches in the store, it seems. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Question about specifically scarcity. How do you go about uh, managing requests for watches that are very hard to get? Well, in our in our current situation, I mean, we do have certain. Right, uh, it's very recent for us that we're in this world of like, let's say, luxury, being able to get these uh, access to certain pieces because we have boutiques. This is where the industry is going now. Like brands are get, are gaining a lot of popularity, so they want their own boutiques now. Uh, having a shop in shop, as they call it, where they have their section in your store. Certain brands, it doesn't even interest them anymore. They want to have their own boutique. So in, in our Ottawa location, you'll see our Monaco store, our La Maison Monaco store. Attached to the Maison Monaco store, you will see our Omega boutique. And next to the Omega boutique, you will find our Tag Heuer boutique, which we opened uh, a month and a half ago now. Amazing. And uh, this is a similar concept that you'll see with us uh, in the future. And so boutique is a very good idea. It's actually very interesting for a retailer because you get access to certain pieces. You you become a priority for shipping for the watch brands, but it has to make sense, of course. Not every watch brand is uh, you know can can hold a boutique and is, is can sustain having a boutique because of rent, overhead, and whatnot. But coming back to your question on these pieces, now that we have the boutiques, we have experience with some of these more limited pieces, like let's say the Omega Snoopy or like uh, the Carrera, uh, the 60th anniversary Carrera that we received um, in the Tag Heuer boutique. We want to be fair with everyone, right? And we want to be fair with one, our loyal customers, and two, 
people who are going to appreciate it, right? And not make profit out of it. Right. And are you able to kind of identify this, take, uh, tell these people apart, basically? Well, you know, sometimes you can't always tell. Yeah. But, you know, and uh, I'll give you uh, one of the... Um, one of the 60th Hoyer, uh, 60th anniversary Hoyer watches that we sold was to a customer that has uh, that has long history with us, even before we had the Tag Hoyer boutique. Mm-hmm. And you know that that's a person who's a watch enthusiast who shares a, a common appreciation with us of uh, you know common appreciation and, and passion for urology. So you're able to tell that who is actually in it for the love of the industry and for the love of horology and who's in it to make a profit, right? And, you know, it's the reality of this is when someone is loyal to your store, they're also a good jewelry customer. They're a good, uh, they, they bought other brands in your store. Right. Yeah. It's not necessarily, we don't, uh, we don't use the model of whoever spent the most on jewelry will, will get an allocation for a certain watch, right? But more so, who's a loyal customer and who will actually appreciate this timepiece. And, and, you know, that it goes a long way because I think, the biggest lesson, and I'll say to anyone who's new, we we're talking about what is it to look at when you're shopping and might be intimidating is by the seller. You know, they use that term, by the seller, you know, so the experience that you have, because you get repeat business, you'll talk about shopping online, you got to buy the seller, right? Who is it that you're buying from? So I think that's a really good motto, as they say, or mantra, the way that you're, you're positioning it, Leon, because that'll not only create forget repeat business, but like that relationship where then you know what they want, you can give them what they want and, you, and that helps you as well evolve your business. Yes. She's like, listen, I know what my folk, my, what my people want and what this is like, this is not for us or this will be a home run with us sort of thing, right? Yes. And you know, Kevin, to add to your point, that intimate uh, relationship you get with the uh, the brand, let's say we've, we've been chatting with a lot of micro brands or independent brands, right? And then we were chatting with founders themselves directly being able to talk to the person who started the brand to hear them explain how the brand that that kind of adds a lot of value to you as a customer and your decision making to potentially buy a watch from them in the future and and when it comes to let's say uh, a dealer or a, a jewelry watch store you basically are the face of the brand when you're talking to the customer yes and that's what sells to me in a sense as well a little segue also now into running those stores like what would you say are some of the bigger challenges running a store like this? Definitely. When you have one store and you're running a one-man show, it's very easy to operate, right? Because you're in store, you put on the salesman hat, then you remove the salesman hat, you put on the service hat, and then you remove the service hat, you put on the marketing hat. And so when you're when you have one shop, you can manage everything, right? Um, but as your business starts to expand and as your business, you know, tends starts to grow, the the challenging part becomes finding quality staff, right? Especially when when you have ten stores, you you want to find quality staff because one thing that we focus we want to focus on is is finding people who are as passionate as maybe not as passionate as we are or more passionate or less passionate, but still share a common interest for this industry, right? You know, you can find a lot of good salespeople. You can find, you know, they say you can find sales salespeople who can sell snow to an Eskimo, right? But is that really the, the the approach we want to take? Not necessarily, because again, we don't want anyone being strong armed or forced into buying into buying watches or be or buying jewelry. We want it to be more of an experience, right? Where this is the place you come, you come to, if even if you don't have an interest in watches, it's somewhere that might, you know spark your interest in watches so for sure a challenging part of running a store like this is is having good staff everywhere especially stores like let's say 
uh, we we now have stores in, in Ottawa and in Quebec City. During the pandemic, we were having a lot of staff issues because people didn't want to come into work. And then that becomes a, a challenge of, for the business owners because, you know, there were certain times where we didn't have staff to open the store. So I myself had to drive to, to Ottawa to open the store, to, to work that day in the store wow. so that we can open, so we can do business, right? And so that, that was a challenging part for sure. And outside of the staffing issues, like, has there been other impacts to the, the shop, you know, considering the pandemic to sort of maybe the brick and mortar setup that you currently have seeing so much of the online space, like what kind of impact has it had the, the pandemic outside of the staff that you just mentioned? There are going to be challenges uh, during the pandemic, you know, everything closed. We still had to pay rent no matter what, you know, what was being said about we were going to receive support and whatnot wasn't the case, right? Even even though the support we got, some of it had to be returned. So it was very challenging to have 10 stores, pay the rent for 10 stores and having your doors closed. Incredible. Part of business is having to evolve and having to sometimes think outside the box on what we can do. So we put our focus on, um, on our e-commerce. And when everything was shut down and I was sitting at home for those three, for those, uh, the first lockdown that, that everything was shut down for three months, yeah. we said, okay, let's focus on e-commerce. What can we do, right? What differentiates us from other stores? What differentiates us from big chain jewelry stores? Mm-hmm. What differentiates us is that we're, we're still a family business. And what that means is a lot of the brands that you can buy in our store, you can buy in a million different places. You can buy it at big chain department stores. You can buy it in many different jewelry stores. But why or why would you choose to buy from our store? Is because we are a family business and we are able to give you that personalized service. Why I'm saying that is because we decided to put our, our focus on the e-commerce while everything was always on lockdown. So let's say a customer would go on our website and they find the watch that they like and they decide to purchase it. What I would do is I would receive the order right away on my phone. I would call the customer on the spot and say, uh, if I had it in stock, I would say, hi, how are you? Thank you for your order. I have your watch here. In I have the watch here in stock. If you want it, I can have the watch delivered to you in 30 minutes, an hour, depending on which store I had to, I had to get the watch from. Or if you're not comfortable with that, given the circumstances, we can always FedEx you the watch. You'll receive it in five to seven business days. That's very dope. Every single customer decided to have it the same day. <laughs> So that goes a long way. Just because we're in lockdown, we still we still had access to the mall. We just had to call security ahead of time. You know, once the customer accepted to have it the same day, I, I myself would drive down to the mall, grab the watch, fill out the warranty, the papers, everything, and deliver it to the customer's house and do the sizing if necessary. That's amazing. See? And that's the only reason why. And I'll tell you, I had a bad experience with the pandemic. You didn't like it? No, but it was great. It was awesome. So good. My mental health was thriving. But um, I'm saying uh, this experience where this person, because of the pandemic, was using an excuse for bad customer service. And it was something around like, well, you can't see this product. And it wasn't a watch, but it was some kind of thing. It's like, I can't show it to you. And it was in Montreal. And the pandemic was already like loosened up. But it was like, well, we're not open all the time. I was like, well, can I come see this? And it's like, well, you have to buy it ahead of time. And you can't return it. It was something literally like that. I was like, that's nonsense. Like, I was like, why am I going to buy something that I can't return? When you're local, he goes, ah, but I, I have to go get it in the vault. Like, was this whole, like, this runaround he gave. But I'm serious. It left such a bad taste in my <laughs> mouth that, day. that I will never shop there again. <laughs> and when I'm sitting around having a beer, I'm not going to do it on the podcast. But if I'm sitting there having a beer, 
I will tell everyone about this experience. Don't shop there. I've told Demetria, but the furniture store I had a really bad experience. I've been telling you for years. I've like, never shopped there, but it left me with such a yeah. I've been asking <laughs> you to stop, and you keep telling the same story but over and over and over. It's, but it'll make the difference. So yeah, it happens with negative experiences, but damn it as well when it's a good experience. You go, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go see this person. They're gonna take care of you, you and that's that's yeah. that's why you do it, right? As well. Yeah. And you know, just one more thing to add to, to what you're saying, Kevin. The, and yeah, the major difference with uh, like an in-person experience is that there is just no experience if you do it online. It's an absence of any any sort of experience. Yeah. The best thing you can have is an email that has a signature of a founder, which is usually not true. Yeah. Or a, a chat like online when you go to a website that says, hey, how, how can we help you? Which is most likely also somebody just sitting there, right? Just working. Or you're buying something in the gray market that doesn't yeah. come with the warranty. Even now, you know, one, one, everything is open. All the stores are open. You know, we still want to, you know, we still want to be able to give that service. You know, it's not, it's not that it was the pandemic that we were offering that service. If, if I have a customer and, you know, they, they want to buy a watch, but it's out of their way, you know, I don't, I, I don't even mind delivering watches myself or, or a strap or whatever, a service, whatever is needed, you know, because at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, it's a family business. I, you're meant to feel like family, right? We're meant, you know, yeah. when you walk into our stores, we want to make you feel like, you know, you're not just another customer, but you know, you're, you're a part of what we're trying to do. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us, um, I'm just looking at our questions here. I want to see. I think what's interesting now, let's jump right into this. Tell us what do you got here as predictions in 2023 in the watch world? Watches and Wonders is right around the corner. What do you have predicting? What would you like to see? Anything you'd like to share? Anything. Just it's wide open question. Um, Go. <laughs> you know, wow. You know, it's. Uh, I was looking at the, the list of exhibitors and it's going to be bigger. Uh, watches and Wonders this year is going to be bigger than last year. Last year was was, was something. It was my first Watches and Wonders I was at the last four Basel Worlds, I want to say, and last year was my first Watches and Wonder. Um, it's quite the show, and I know. And you think that it's gotten bigger because of uh, because Basel's gone, kind of thing as well. Yeah, Does yeah, that... makes sense. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And and now more, there's a second show going on in Geneva, I believe it's called Watch Time or Time to Watches, I think, so, so, something of the sort. Yeah, I think so. Um, so a lot more brands exhibiting in the city during Watches and Wonders. I know everyone. Um, I, I you know I got I had a chance to listen to your uh, Rolex and Tudor predictions, which is very which was uh, you know pretty cool. It's fun, eh? And uh, yeah, you know it's it's been wild listening to people's predictions on what they want to see, what you know what they're hoping for Rolex to make. But yeah, I, I, you know something that I'd like to see is obviously like everyone else, uh, an anniversary Submariner. It's not every day you see a platinum dive, uh, platinum dive watch. So maybe a platinum Submariner. Yes. Maybe a maybe a full full gold Hulk. Who knows? Oh wow! Imagine oh, wow. we need to think of that. Yeah. Full gold Hulk. That's for Rolex. <sighs> like the Omega Green, the Moonshine Gold yeah. Green, right? That they did recently, but the Rolex Sub. Yeah. That could be interesting. Yeah. That Speedmaster at all. Green though is <laughs> yeah. amazing. But another prediction. I think we're gonna see a pretty big year from LVMH. You know, it's since we're hearing more and more buzz about 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 LVMH, they're them trying to acquire Richemont and them, you know. Yep. They want Cartier. Yeah, Cartier. Um, and, um, they want Cartier. you know, we saw the watches that Louis Vuitton just released uh, this week. You know, they're doing some interesting things. And it, it, they're what they're trying to say is, you know what, we're, we're a group Louis Vuitton, Louis Vuitton, Moet, Hennessy, but we're not just a luxury, you know, fashion goods. We, we're into high horology as well. And we're able to do this just as good as anybody else. And that's what we're, we saw with Louis. They bought that uh, watchmaker, uh, Fabrique du Temps, is it? Yes, I believe Métier so. Métier de Temps, Métier de Temps. Yeah, that's what Louis, uh, Louis Vuitton, but, so they're legit. Yeah. 
like their movements now, they bought a legit watchmaker. They're doing hierology. That quantum watch, that thing that rotates the <laughs> indices that lights up, that thing is amazing. <laughs> I yeah. put it on like my guilty pleasures or like like uh, unpopular. That thing is remarkable. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah, they're really stepping up their yeah. game with some of their watches. Another thing I think we're going to see possibly more boutique exclusive pieces from all brands, especially especially from Richemont. You know, I, if, if you look, if you keep track of uh, points of sale for Richemont brands, they're getting smaller and smaller and smaller because these brands are taking the boutique model. They're taking the boutique approach. So we're most likely going to see a lot of boutique edition pieces because, they, you know, that's that's and they're going to limit the limited to their to their own stores, to their corporate boutiques. And based on what you're wearing on your wrist there. Yeah. What do you do? You, what, what's what are you expecting from Oris? Because I'm always excited about what Oris has to release. Um, I think we're gonna. I, well, we're gonna. We're most likely gonna see a very interesting new uh, addition to the PPX. You know, they released the the three the three colors last year. The mm. the the gray dial, the the salmon dial, and the blue dial. The full metal. I think this year we'll, no, we'll okay, most the pro pilot. Other, sorry, the pro pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With that beautiful. Yeah, that's fantastic. Rafi has that watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was gonna say we'll for sure see like a. More aqueous, like every year. We're gonna see some uh, Diver 65, maybe maybe more Diver 65 with caliber 400. But yeah, I think I think their main mm. focus is gonna be around the PPX, the the Pro Pilot X. They haven't done the aqueous, the regular aqueous with the 400. They have, right? They have. They have. They have. Because I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I love yeah. the um, the upcycle aqueous, right? The one that they use the recycled plastics from the ocean. To, to put on the dial, but that one doesn't have the 400, I think. If they had the combination of that upcycle, carbon neutral, and the 400, that would be such a killer. But Leon can tell you, you got to make sure you got to see that watch ahead of time, though. Oh, for sure. Yep. I'll tell you one thing. They're, they're, they're going to release one watch. It's going to have a lot of people say, <laughs> a bit of a head scratcher, and say, is this, is, is this, is this like, is this for real? It's an interesting collaboration. I, I got to see it. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, maybe, perhaps hold my uh, opinions on it but yeah it's going to be a definitely piece that people are going to talk about so it's like the the tutor p01 you have any idea when we'll hear about it on march 27 oh, well, we'll release this after just tell us <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we will i will we'll release this after you can just tell us <laughs> okay well interesting <laughs> it's uh i'll let you i'll let you guess the dial color <laughs> okay what's popular this year red no uh I feel like there's a lot of red going on. Purple. There's a lot of purple too this year, I find. But it has to be something insane. It's not going to be a black dial. Um, no. Give me a sec. Give me a sec. Give me a sec. I would say red. No. Oh, we're good. We keep going. Okay. A fuchsia. Oh. Pink. Green. Yeah. Uh, green. Green? Green. green. Eh? But oh. I won't tell you what the collaboration is because I, really I really want this to be a surprise for you guys. What's green? <laughs> Rolex. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're not going to get it. Okay, okay, fair, fair, fair. Okay, so it's, it's it's a very interesting collaboration, right? That will catch us by surprise. Yeah, interesting. And 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 can you tell us? Can you tell us which watch model line will carry it in Oris? How about that? Well, I already uh, alluded to her, to it earlier. It's going to be in the PPX line, the Pro Pilot X. Oh, in the PPX. Yeah. Okay, so that'd be great. They have that caliber, the PPX green. Oh, it has to be something with pilots. Something. What? What's green and and flies? Sounds like a weird riddle. Interesting. Okay, we'll speculate. Listeners out there will think about it. We'll probably hear or be hear about it, but it's, it should be very interesting. I also heard though. Tell me this, Trulion. I heard from the Oris booth when we were in Windup. They said they did that limited release of the Oris 
full steel. Yeah. I think with the button to go back. Yeah. And they're, they're, apparently they should be releasing one in the regular line. I, I don't, I, I don't didn't, know if you heard the same, but I, uh, I didn't hear any official word on that. I, I, I did hear rumors and, uh, I did hear people talking within the industry saying that that they are going that we are going to see a a, a regular production full steel model, but I I, I don't have one hundred percent word on that. But I can't confirm that. That's a cool watch. Yeah, it's like this weird, funky. Those links that come out of the case are really like either you hate it or you love it, right? It's so yeah. What, what I would love to see from Oris if if they made the first in house caliber they did a few years back with the, the skeletonized dial, the fully mechanical one. The yeah. I want to see if, if they can make that in the same size as the PPX, like in the smaller size. That would be pretty cool to see. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. I wonder though, because they're kind of really invested in this new caliber 400, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What's the one that they have that's um, 400 like, but a manual wound that they put in the new um, pointer date, right? Yeah. Uh, I believe that's the 473. I, I believe, I think it's the 473. 473? It's an evolution of the other one. Very much like that watch as well. It's just, it's, it's yeah. quite expensive. Well, because you can get the other one that's the the automatic one. The caliber is worth it though. That was a generation before and it's like half the price that you could find. But yeah. but they're still beautiful watches. The, val- the value that you're getting, the bang for buck from Or is like unrivaled in a lot of ways. Yeah. Except Longines is also hitting home runs like crazy if you're looking at the brands that you have there early on. Yeah, what Longines is doing, it's, I mean, it's pretty impressive uh, at that price point. You know what they did, like, uh, I, I want to say January, tw- as of January 2021, whatever watch they produced, whatever automatic watch they produced, that is, they started offering a five-year warranty, silicone, uh, silicone hairspring, I believe. Uh, you know, anti-magnetic, yeah. and they didn't increase the price. They did have a price increase since then, yes, but they just started just changing all their movements and keeping it at the same retail price, which is, you know, it's it's became really there. It became a really competitive uh, price point. And when Zimmel comes in and they're at that price point, what do you suggest in between Longines and Ors? I know you were going to suggest get what you love, but you're where do you have a soft spot for in those brands? Maybe Ors because you're wearing one. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely uh, have a soft spot for Oris, and yeah. the reason I'm, I'm wearing an Oris. Um, Longines, fantastic brand. Um, I'd like to see them make some watches, perhaps like uh, something like the Zulu Time, maybe in a smaller size. Yeah. Maybe go back to like a, a, the original Legend Diver style with uh, you know a smaller case size, no date, 39 millimeter. That would be awesome to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, because those lug to lug is tremendous, eh? It's like 52 or something, 51. Yeah, again, that price point for me. For, for me personally, I, I like Oris for that price point. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, they're amazing watches. Um, so going back to brands in general, do you have any plans and as a, uh, in your store to uh, promote independent or even local brands? Like and local, I mean Canadian. You know, like we have Aeron, the brand that you know just started uh, this last year. Yeah. Uh, we have Redwood, we have Marathon, we have Momentum. Uh, what is your stance in the, in general on adding independent brands and perhaps local ones? Indifferent, you know, momentum and marathon are huge and then you get small indie brands, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great question. You know, um, one lesson I learned when I started, you know, my my first my first experience as a, as a watch buyer when I started going to these trade shows is don't buy what you always, what you personally like. Buy what you think you can sell, right? Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, there might be some really weird watch, some really cool watch that I might really like, but it's going to be a harder piece to move. 
And so, uh, you know, I made a few mistakes like that over the years. And, you know, it becomes uh, the challenge here is I don't mind taking those risks, right? Because, you know, it, I like something, you know, I, you know, I, I've been in the industry. I know that perhaps, it, you know, if, if I like it, maybe, um, maybe others for sure will. But right. the reality of the retail business is that rents are really expensive yeah. and, and our, some of our stores aren't very big. So we have to maximize every square foot we have in certain, in certain locations because, you know, again, because of the expensive rents we have to pay. Yeah. So, you know, if we have the chance and we have a bigger store where we can bring in some independent brands, I would love it because again, I'm an enthusiast first, like for, like for me personally, I'm an enthusiast first, yeah. but, um, Sometimes in business, we have to do what makes sense for us, right? Uh, if we have only independent brands, you know, it's great. It's fantastic. But the reality is right now that, you know, we need to keep the lights open. Right. We need to pay our staff, you know, we need to pay rent and so on. You know, we have, we have, a, we have a high overhead to pay. And so, yeah, perhaps in the future when we have more, when we have stores, like let's say bigger stores and we have, when, it, when we can have a section of independence, you know, it's something that I'm I'm personally strongly considering. But right now, the the focus is on expanding and expanding with key brands. And once uh, and once we have a bit of a breathing room, and we have certain spaces, uh, certain locations where we have the space to bring in independent brands, I'm all for it. Whether it's Canadian or European, whatever small independent brands, I'm. It's definitely something that I'm personally interested in. And you know, it's it's true because uh, well, just thinking of Quebec. Or even Montreal, like it's it's a tough watch market in general. Like there are there are people who like watches, but the the rabbit hole goes deep. And I don't know how 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 deep it is here. I'm glad to see that we have brands, but you know, Marathon is very purpose built. Momentum has very is its purpose as well. When you get to like these independent brands, it's hard to the the niche market. It's very niche, right? And yeah. it'd be good to see more enthusiasts um, come out of the woodwork or be created uh, through the hobby. Yeah, yeah. But and in certain certain brands, I know like the Canadian brands aren't um, don't fall into this uh, into this conversation. But there were other brands that you know I we were personally like we were interested in carrying like uh, let's say brands like Zen, Nomos, and whatnot. Amazing brands, um, amazing. But some, yeah. the yeah, great, fantastic brands. I I love these brands, and I think we could do good business with them. But sometimes, the the brands don't have importers, so you have to import all the watches from Germany directly, and um, custom fees and whatnot, and then servicing. Right, there is no service center for for either of those brands in Canada, if I'm not mistaken. So if you want to service something, either you ship it to New York or 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 Germany directly, and the cost can start getting can stop can start adding up really quickly. So there is that to consider as well. Yeah, and that buyer will consider that as well. It's like, well, then I'll just go with the Swatch group that has a service centers at every city in the country, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, that, that's another thing that I want to talk to about when uh, if if we can go back to the to the challenging part it. sometimes of owning a retail shop and working with brands is sometimes you become the middleman between the customer and the brand. So when you're an authorized dealer, right, and you're and, and, a, and a customer purchases a watch from you, and then they have a warranty issue, your job as an authorized dealer is to take the watch and send it to the service center, and they take care of it. But because the customer is dealing with you, sometimes they don't know that you're the middleman. You're just acting as the middleman. So you're the person absorbing all of the frustration if certain parts aren't available or it takes time. And right now, where we are in the current state of the the world and the and the watch industry. 
everything is taking a lot of time. Mm. You know, service is taking a lot of time. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I, I can tell you uh, an example in this watch group, you know, certain watches can't be repaired here, re- repaired here in Montreal because they have a, a long list of uh, repairs to go through. Can't be repaired in Toronto because they're, you know, overboarded with uh, with with uh, with watches to repair. Sometimes they're being sent out to, to Europe to be serviced because yeah. source, sourcing watchmakers, sourcing parts, supply chain issues, combining all of that is creating such a heavy um, backlog, a long load of yeah. uh, repairs to uh, to get through. And so, you know, I have certain customers are sending their watch in for service. And it's taking upwards of three months. Crazy. And you know the you know you can't blame the customer because they're doing they're do, they're doing business directly with us, but we're just acting as the middleman. So that can be tough sometimes to make the customer understand that this is the current situation with the brands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know put strain on your relationship with the brand, like hey, you're making me look bad too, right? It's like come on, get it together, right? Question for you, yeah. Leon. What about yeah. we're talking about Indies, but what about used watches? Is that something, is that another yeah. world entirely? How is that something you, you've considered? Is that something you're considering? Talk to us about that. Definitely. Now, it's not something that we have, uh, that we plan on doing right away, but it's something that, that we're, we're very interested in doing in, in, uh, in our key locations. And again, it always comes back to the, to the question of staff. Now, if, if personally, if I'm, at a, if I'm at a certain store all the time, I'd, I don't mind having a pre-owned section or a pre-owned counter where I can, where I can work with that. But yes. um, the issue with that is having staff that are fully trained and fully capable of, of doing that when, let's say, I'm not there. Yeah. And so um, it's something that we're looking into. And we're perhaps looking to do that in our more higher-end stores, so like, like say, the, the La Maison Monaco, uh, Monaco stores, um, so yeah, it's not something that we've done, but it's something that we're strongly considering doing. And you know, I'll tell you one thing, we spoke to a lot of people. If you find a good, like you say, buy the seller and you can say, I could buy this Longines anywhere. But when, if, when you get into the used market, then it be, then that relationship becomes one of the only factors period. Yeah. Because, because then you're really buying the, the, who it is that you're buying it from. Like, I'll give you a one-year warranty. Come have a look. That, 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 you have any issue, come back to me. That is what people find as a reinsurance. That's why people are so scared to buy and use, unless they really know what they're doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that can make, that can make or break, period, the absolute experience anywhere. Because uh, I, I won't name the shop. I think you know it. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about in Montreal, where they sell high-end and it's second-hand. But I've had bad experiences with those folks and I just won't go back. Yeah. So anyways, oh, we can beep it out. (laughs) 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 But we can't, we beep it out all the time. So just beep. But yeah, Yeah. that's exactly it. It was a really bad experience in their attitude and, 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 and there was something dodgy. I'd asked a question. I was like, but this doesn't match that. Yeah. But that never does. Almost like dismissing me. I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of know what I'm, asking yeah you know and what i'm asking is actually like i do what you're saying is actually wrong no that should match and this should be this way one one thing they underestimated me yeah yeah exactly but you know you know one thing in in business not only in the watch business but anything is don't take your customer for an idiot Mm, mm -hmm. don't take your customer for an idiot right it's that simple hey this bezel this bezel's really wobbly a little it's always like that if you knew anything about no it's not always like that like what are you talking about (laughs) This doesn't really line up. Oh, no, they're always like that. No, no, don't do that. Like I, I, I might know a little bit about a little bit when it comes to this. And I'm not saying that I'm, a, I'm brilliant, but the moment I lose that faith, it's gone when it comes to the used watch market. So I think that's... A- yeah. 
Yeah. For sure. And, and you know, like you're buying a used watch in general because there's so much more that could be hidden in, in you know, in terms of quality, how, you know, what you're getting, how original are the parts. The level of trust you have to build is much higher with the person you're buying from. So it's in, like exponentially more important to have a good relationship with the customer and the customer trusting you in general. Yeah. Definitely. So this is a really great chat. Let, we're just give you some time, Leon. Tell us anything you want to promote, anything you want to, you know, uh, share on the podcast. Now's the the floor is yours. Yeah, sure thing. I mean, uh, again, uh, heading out to Watches and Wonders next week. Um, Going to meet with some interesting brands. See what we can land in our existing stores and, and future projects. Perhaps I can announce that. Uh, I, I believe we're, we've briefly spoken about this in store, but we are we are uh, doing a new project here in Montreal. Uh, it's going to be our third La Maison Monaco store. Um, it's not going to be in downtown Montreal, but um, I don't know if you guys heard, they're building a new luxury mall in, in TMR called Royal Mount. Yeah, we heard. So we will be... So yeah. of all the citizens, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the construction is so, going um, great. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we are going to uh, we are going to open our third uh, La Maison Monaco store along with a few watch boutiques. Some, um, I can I can give you two of them. Some of them uh, I, I can't talk about right now, but you will hear of very soon. Uh, so we will have our La Maison Monaco stores with a with a multi brand, uh, which is going to be a multi brand watch and jewelry store with some of some of our existing brands, some brands that we hope to uh, hope to do business with. Um, and why don't you mention for our listeners the brands you currently have because they may not know. So uh, currently we we have brands uh, like Tissot, Longines, Hamilton, Oris, Mido, Rado, um, Omega, Breitling, Tag Heuer. Uh, Seiko, yeah, amazing, nice, and so uh, yeah, uh, that's going to be. Um, we are going to have our our multi brand La Maison Monaco Monaco store, and attached to to the Maison Monaco, we're going to have an Omega boutique. So the first Omega boutique in Montreal, and on the other side, we're going to have our uh, Breitling boutique. Yes, and a couple other boutiques that uh, hopefully we can talk about soon. And uh, yeah, interesting brands. So that's really wonderful. Listen, we want to thank you for your time, Leon. Thank you for joining us this week. We really appreciate it. So everyone out there, go to Bijouterie Monaco. If ever you're in Montreal, Quebec City, Ottawa, where else? Any other cities? Yeah, no, so that's it. If, uh, yeah, uh, Montreal, Quebec City, Ottawa. Uh, we have some stores uh, like in in the, in, the, in St. Jerome, which is pretty far. But um, yeah, uh, Montreal. Ottawa, Quebec City. That's where it's at. Thank you again, Liam, for your time. And to everyone out there, have a great week. We will see you on the next episode. Cheers, everybody. So if you enjoyed this episode, please reach out to us on Big Black Clock Official on Instagram or email us at bigblackclockteam at gmail.com. Send us your pictures, corrections, ideas, insults, and let us know if there are any pieces you want us to review. With, of course, the caveat that we can afford them. As always, be good to each other, eat good food, have some drinks. For those of you always watch shopping, happy hunting. Thanks for spending time with us, and we will see you next week.